love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined here with my co-host, Alyssa Gadaski. Alyssa, I have a question for you. I have a little riddle, puzzle, not a riddle, just a puzzle. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, guess what time I woke up this morning? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would hope like every ounce of me just is hoping that everyone else in this world is like really well rested feeling and like is able to sleep until all hours of the day that they want to. So I'm going to guess 9.15 a.m. Oh my God. You are so good. 9.29. You were oh, only 14 minutes off. Dude, I gotta go play the lottery of guessing Nine. games for wake up times. <laughs> yes. I guess this wasn't really even like a puzzle at all, but it was just a guessing game. But I was I was shocked. It was one of those things where I like looked at my phone and I was like, is this right? Did something happen? Did you wake up at like normal time, like five or 6 a.m. and then like, or seven even and stir and like see the clock and then be like, oh, I'll just like close my eyes a few minutes more and then like wake up at 9, 20 or whatever. Because when that happens, it's like crazy. Oh, you just straight through. I was like asleep. I was having so many dreams. I like, I don't really remember like, where's my breakfast? Cowboy wasn't here. That might've been one of the reasons. Cowboy's at my parents' house. Um, so that may have been one of the reasons I was able to swim so late because no one was relying on me for breakfast. I think it was also like a little bit rainy. I didn't stay up that late, but I think I finally may have caught up on sleep after Ironman Coeur d'Alene. It's only taken me a little over a week, but I think I just needed it. I, um, I don't know. I mean, I was waking up so early in the days after the race. I don't know if that happens to you, but, um, I was, and then all of a sudden it was like 9 30 AM and I'm like, Maybe I'm back to life or else I'm going the opposite direction, which um, let's hope not. Anyway, how are you doing? I'm 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 hoping for a 920 something wake up tomorrow because I like you, I feel like I'm still catching up from the race and it makes sense, right? Like travel to the West Coast, a race where you wake up at 2 a.m. to even start the race. And then I had a red eye flight back um, and a pretty busy week after that and weekend for the like 4th of July with family stuff and things like that. So I really haven't, I felt like had a chance to really like have that day without an alarm clock and without too many obligations to like just sleep in. So I am, that is planned for after this. So everyone knows that I'm, well, by the time this is out, it's already happened. So sorry guys, but, um, I'm hoping that helps my brain. I'm feeling like a little bit of Ironman brain fog still Haley, but I have a riddle for you too. Actually, it's not a riddle either. It's just a question that I've been meaning to ask you about your race because I forgot in our like post-race haze of lying on the grass, dying to ask you this, but Haley, Ironman morning, I saw you opening my favorite can, one of my favorite candies and like putting them something. So I, I, my question for you is at what point during the Ironman did you eat those sweet tart ropes? Because I would have like, I like thought about that as we were passing like ships in the night on the bike. I was like, maybe she still has a sweet tart rope. She could like throw me across the road or something because I would have like loved that. That's one of my favorite candies. So I'm interested to hear your sweet tope, sweet tart rope strategy um, in Ironman. I did eat sweet tart ropes. <laughs> I did. Um, I ate them during the bike. I happily would have thrown one to you. I ate them all though. I ate two packages. They were like, I was like shoving them into my little like box in the front of my bike. Did did it melt? Did they melt? No, they were just like, oh, that's good to know. Perfect. Like just the good softness that you barely have to chew them as they go down. That's one of my favorite (laughs) treats for the gas station when I'm on like a long ride. Yeah. Well, okay. So I do like to like supplement with like some on the bike, like some quick sugar candies. Um, You know, I've used Cliff Shot Blocks too, but those just don't really taste like candy. They taste like nutrition. And they also don't hold up super well in the heat. Like I've had those melt in my bike box before. So yeah. Yeah. And then when they get wet, they get a little gross, but no, the shove all those sweet tart ropes. I'd use them during training and I kind of was like, just taking advantage of this being a U.S. race. I was driving there. I could bring whatever I wanted. I didn't have to worry about, you know, just transporting stuff over an international flight or getting something in a foreign country. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to bring these because I, it is when I'm on the bike 
riding just in training. It's just when I want like a sugar, just, I need something, a pick me up, like they're delicious and they're easy to eat and they don't like stick too much and you can break them. And so that was, that's really convenient. So maybe Lake Placid, Alyssa, I might just wait. Did I just like out you as, as you're racing Lake Placid? <laughs> I think I've been telling, I've been telling people that now I am like, I'm dreading and looking forward to it. I'm dreading it because I, I do still feel tired from Coeur d'Alene. It's only been eight days, not even right. It's probably seven days since the end of the race or whatever. And so, um, you know, I'm not quite mentally ready to be like, say I'm feeling ready for Lake Placid, but I am looking forward to another chance at racing. So I will be, um, yeah. in in New York for listeners who are going to be there, I'm excited to be back at that venue. It'll be my second time racing there, but I've spectated there a lot. And obviously I've spent a lot of quality time in the wilderness around Lake Placid. So, uh, I love it there and it, it'll be a, a fun race. So, um, just need to get my, my sleep caught up first. We will just not worry about that, but I would suggest, you know, sweet tarp ropes, throw those, throw those in there. They make you a little happy too, right? Like, I don't know. There's just something about them. I'm sure they're not like super good for you, but if you're on a doing an Ironman, you can, all bets are off. And I will say that that was something, you know, when I was, I was struggling a little bit on the bike in Coeur d'Alene and I was like, just keep eating, just keep eating because, and I do think that was something I did right in that race. Um, I ate every little bit of nutrition that I had on my bike and that like set me up. So I was able to run. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's easier said than done. I will admit that though. Yes. I think that you know, eating a lot on the bike, like I was able to at least take in all my nutrition and I had packed Haley. I had packed emergency calories, which, you know, I don't always do, but I, for whatever reason did, um, in quarterly, maybe I jinxed myself that I would be out there longer than I expected and, um, would actually need to be taking in those emergency calories. And I also was really focused on just that, like the hydration. Like I just knew above all else, like keep eating and drinking and drink as much as you feel like your stomach can possibly handle because, that was just going to be, yeah, important to, to survive that marathon. Um, and since like, I guess, you know, through, I do, I still feel like I'm getting caught up on hydration and you know, I don't know, I was blaming the travel a lot, but it does make me feel better. You didn't have to fly, but it makes me feel better that you're still feeling like catching up on things too, because I do think that heat was like, did a number on, on our systems and we have to kind of respect that and let it take its time. You know, I don't know if youth, not being youthful as much as we were spring chickens years ago <laughs> doing Ironman and the heat plays into it at all. But, um, I'm definitely still like pounding my noon every single day and making sure that like I'm getting as much electrolytes back in. And, um, at least it's, it's cooler here in new England now. So I'm, I'm not like, I didn't go back to somewhere that's still the surface of the sun. Yeah, it's still pretty warm here in Bozeman. We're getting to the 90s, but even 90 and 100 are quite different. And um, you brought up noon, and this is something that's interesting because one, you had told me, I think, I think I first got my first shipment of noon instant, like over the winter or first, and I was like, ah, not as I was like, not what I expected. It was a little different. And then you were like, oh, just wait until the summer. And you were so right because once things get start getting warmer, that is like what I gravitate toward. And we just recorded a new ad for noon instant, which everyone can hear. But um, and you were like laughing while writing it. So hopefully it comes it's across. A good one. I think it's one of my. <laughs> if anyone you know is looking for um, a copywriter of any sort for jingles or, you know, just ads, commercials that you guys are producing out there, you know, I'm your person. Alyssa was putting some finishing touches when we were on, but she was like, please be quiet. So I was like being quiet for a couple of minutes for a little while while she was at work. And, um, but she's just like over there, like giggling. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so, um, but okay. Going back to the actual product, noon instant, it is, it is great for post race. Like you just throw that, like throw it in some water. And I really like the lemon lime flavor. Again, I think I said this in the pre-race or previous thing. I'm very, very much a citrus person. And so the lemon lime flavor, I definitely love for post race. And I have been drinking a lot of that because I can just like get it down and I, you do feel better. You feel better. <laughs> if the bikini girls on the Coeur d'Alene course have been handing out noon instant popsicles. I definitely would have taken that. I did not take any of the just like regular freezy pops. Oh. Although a lot of people said they, those were hitting. I the did see too. those girls out there with the popsicles. And I thought about, I think it was like on the third lap though, that they were out when we were on our third lap and when they were out there and I was in that moment, like, like just get to the finish, just get to the finish. But it did make yeah. me smile. And 
I think Haley, they ran out. This is the stories I've heard. So they, they had a lot of just like those icy freezy pops in the little plastic tubes and they were giving them out. Um, and then I heard they like ran out and people were just like kept asking for them and seemed so sad they didn't have them. So the girls sent someone to go buy stuff. So then for a while, then they had more, they restocked their supply. And I guess I heard that they also got like full, like ice cream. Oh. Pops. So like for a while they were also giving out like ice cream pops to people, which I just think is so, so nice. And like, I mean, they looked like they were having a really fun time and they were definitely helping the racers. So, that um, looks like yeah, I think but that is yeah. like, that's probably the perfect thing. I mean, that would have been like, again, if I had been more with it, like, cause it's not what they say. Like if you can put like something cold in your mouth, like, like some, a frozen drink and hold on to it oh, and being yeah. able to like hold it, like would cool your, you know, all the, it's all the spots, all that, but, but yeah, make some of those with some new instant. You have more patience than me. I'm like, I want everything immediately. So I'm with food, <laughs> with food, at least I'm patient in other areas, but popsicles. I'm like, I just don't care enough about future Haley, but maybe I need to work on that. And for our listeners, if you would like to get any Noon products and especially try that Noon Instant this summer, head to NoonLife.com. Use the code LiveFeisty with a capital L, capital F, one word for 30% off. Okay, Alyssa, as we come out of this fog, which by the way, did you listen to last week's episode? You know, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I know, no. (laughs) I have it like on my cue, but I just, I just haven't, yeah, haven't had a chance yet. I listened. I I got a lot of good feedback from folks and I did listen. And it's one of those ones where it's like so personal, which is gets a little bit nervous. Like you're like, oh, do I want to listen to this? And I was so glad we did that where we recorded right after the race. I mean, it was interesting to hear. Well, it's funny to hear us before the race and after the race, because there's definitely (laughs) difference um, in our energy levels, um, which makes sense. It was right after an Ironman, but it is, I loved it because one, it, it did capture like the fatigue and how hard that race was. And then it also, it was kind of just nice. I'm glad we did that for me. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the thing we wanted to do post-race. And, you know, again, I think we did give like a shout out to Betty Janelle who went and like got the computer and the microphone from my hotel room so that we could do that right away. Cause we were just, I I don't know what exactly we were thinking. We were like, oh, we'll get dressed and like showered off and go meet it somewhere. And it was like, no, if we don't do this, like sitting here right now, it is not going to happen. happen. No. And so we did. And I'm glad it kind of is a little like time capsule of like what post-race is like. And I think it did capture that. So when, when you feel like when you do, I think you'll smile while you listen. So, um, I mean, I did get a lot of good feedback from that as well. And so I would do it again. So next time we're at a race, Haley, I think I would trust myself to, to do that again. I think that it'll be fun. I know it just takes a little help from friends, but thank you to everyone who did listen and give, give some feedback on that. And, um, but we are a a little bit more energized now we've, we have rehydrated a little, we've gotten a little bit of sleep and, um, you know, taken some showers since then. And we are ready to answer mailbag questions. We are ready to dispense advice, even though there might be a little bit of brain fog, we can, we can offer some advice at least. So Alyssa, do we have any mailbag questions? We do. So you can always send mailbag questions into us at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and we'll spread them out through the weeks here and take a stab at answering them. And this one, Haley, I feel like we should do like a dear Abby. And this one, this one comes in from wet sneakers, like dear wet sneakers in, I don't know, where's a really rainy place. Like dear wet sneakers in um Seattle but not right Seattle. now yeah yeah <laughs> but not right now that's true um okay but Lisa um wrote into us and she has a question about wet sneakers which is why I'm calling her wet sneakers so regarding the Ironman marathon and wet sneakers she's tr- struggled a few times with both of my feet getting big blisters on the bottoms once her sneakers get wet so she wants to know how we keep our feet from blistering during the race when we're pouring all that water on ourselves, everything socks, sneakers, everything's soaked. So tips and tricks for the wet sneakers, Haley. I love this question. I think this is a great one. Yeah. I want to hear your answer first because you've also done a lot of trail running where your feet get wet. So I'm guessing you have a ton of experience with this. Yeah. So the, the fact Lisa, that you're getting blisters on the bottoms of your feet make me think actually it could have to do a lot with like the fit of your shoe. Like your shoe might be a little bit too big almost, or just not fitting your foot really well, because at least from experience, what I've seen with people, like when that starts to happen, it's like sometimes the, your foot is like sliding a little bit and that's why you're getting it on the bottom of your foot. 
Um, so again, like, I don't want to be like, change your sneaker if the sneaker works when it's dry, but could be worth just experimenting with maybe a different size or different shoe or whatever. Um, the second thing I would try is socks. Like a lot of times, sometimes the sock might be moving and causing that friction within the foot and the shoe and like everything's rubbing on the bottom and that's causing the blister. Um, because yeah, I think like generally blisters are caused by like the friction. Um, and so that is like something to think about when you're thinking about trying to fix it. Um, then I would say too, like now I pick my tri shoes definitely based on shoes that drain well, because I do like, I use water, even if it's a 70 degree race, I'm pouring water all over myself and like staying cool because so like my feet are always wet in the Ironman marathon and like the drainability of the shoe and some shoes just aren't as drainable. So like finding kind of like more of a racing shoe generally will drain better. Um, I just recently raced in the Asics, like add a zero somethings and they were like, Adidas, Adidas. Adidas. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I tried Asics. The Asics I was training in were also very drainable, but I raced in the Adidas because they were actually more grippy on the bottom for like the wet surfaces and they drained really well. And so, um, my, there was like no water in the shoe at any point, like even running through all the sprinklers, everything, like the water was coming out so fast from that shoe that it wasn't like I was slopping around in puddles ever, um, which was really nice. So I don't know. I think yeah, playing around with shoe and just making sure that like the sock is good fitting and, you know, a good like material. And then, um, just, yeah, like the shoe size, double check on that. I don't know. Haley, have you ever experienced any of this? So the one time I've had a blister was actually, um, because there was like a rock in my shoe and I knew it was there. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things. I think that was one of my takeaways actually from listening to both of us talk about our races last week. We both took our time in T2, like coming off the bike and going into the run and like took our time. Like I, you know, I did, I made sure my feet were like cleaned off and, um, like I had a towel, like I set down a towel. We had, we didn't, you know, we had a dirty transition area where you could just lay a towel on the ground. Um, and I cleaned off my feet and then put on socks and put on my shoes and made sure everything was like tied right and tightened. Um, you know, I had the laces on there, but just making sure they were tightened and everything felt comfortable. And I do think that is time well spent because when I've had a blister, it has been because I rushed through, I had a rock in my shoe. I knew it was there, but I was like, no, I must keep going. And to be honest, I was fine during the race, but then the next day I couldn't, I could barely walk. Um, and so I, I do take those extra like few seconds to kind of clean things off and make sure those are you know, just you're starting with, with everything feeling okay. And, or if you have to stop during the race, like stop, get the rock out. Like, I do think that's valuable because it's blisters are very debilitating and they will uh, ruin your post-race fun too. But, um, I agree with Alyssa on socks being very important. I'm kind of a sock snob. I, I run in the smash fest queen socks the the taller, like five or seven inch tall ones, which I just love. I love how they look. I love how they feel. They're just the perfect thickness for me. Like they're pretty thin. Um, and I find that they deal they're They're great. Even when they get wet. And I know for the Olympic trials, I couldn't run in the smash fest queen socks because of logo rules. And so I tried some different ones, but I tried to try like five different brands. I mean, to find like the right thickness and height that I like liked. And so I would say, you know, experiment with some different socks maybe, and like throw water on yourself in training and see how that feels. And cause I think I like thinner socks and I just think that that like, you know, maybe that helps like certain materials are probably better with water than others. Same with shoes. Um, I, yeah, the shoes I wear pretty lightweight, probably drain pretty easy. And, um, I mean, I'm just like, those are the things that come to mind. And I, I think your advice on shoe fit is a good one too. So if you have a local running store, sometimes going down there and talking to them and like letting them, you know, look at your feet and look at how things fit might be good. Um, you know, especially if you, if you do trust, you know, the people who work there and, um, you know, you can try on some different shoes and, uh, I don't know when your next race is, but hopefully you have some time to try things out because again, like blisters are, are no joke. So let's, but they are, I think this is a solvable problem. Yeah. Haley, when I was experimenting and training between the Asics and the Adidas, there was like this road that I do my brick run on and there's like a boat ramp at one point. And so I would literally run off the boat ramp into the water, like get my shoes really wet and run oh. so I could like see because 
I wanted to make sure that like it would be okay. It would work with the socks and things like, you know, and like everything would drain well. And it was like, it was like made for experimenting with that. That's to perfect. Just run the yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, it sounds, it sounds annoying and it, it can be sometimes to be like, Oh, I have to like figure out a way to get my feet really well, but it's worth it. Um, and so I don't know, but hopefully Lisa, we gave you some ideas to experiment with and to, improve on that hopefully for your next Ironman marathon let us know for sure and right. we have a we've got an interview this week we're keeping yeah. the cordelaine the cordelaine fun going yes so Haley and i talked to lenny ramsey this week who was racing with us in cordelaine lenny's been a pro since 2017 and in 2019 she was third at both ironman chattanooga and ironman lanzarote and in Coeur d'Alene with us, she was eighth. So we wanted to talk to her about how her day went. You've heard from Haley and I enough on that. Uh, we also talked to Lenny about what it's like training in Arkansas. And she talks to us a lot about how to manage racing frequently, which she loves to do, and the highs and lows that come along with doing that. So you can hear from Lenny after a word from our sponsors. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer, and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the Big Island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LiveFeisty for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LiveFeisty, capital L and capital F. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Hi, Lenny. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So you re recently finished Ironman Coeur d'Alene last weekend and you placed eighth. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, Haley, yeah, it was something, right? <laughs> so, um, Haley and I gave our impression, impressions to the listeners right after we finished that day, but we definitely want to get your insight as well as to how the day unfolded. I do have this memory of, it was like a few miles actually right before I got my flat on the bike and you were coming by me. And I remember you said something to me along the lines of like, man, this is rough or like, oh, like, can this be any longer? Like, what are we doing out here? Something along the lines that I knew enough to appreciate that misery loves company. And I was like, yeah, like, hopefully the run is better. Like, I don't even know. So um, I know that little tidbit of the day, but that's not all I know from your day. So tell us more about how your day unfolded out there. I, uh, you know, and the swim is always a little bit in my rough uh, patch. I, you know, I just don't, have a background in swimming. I didn't start swimming until I, later in life. And I just, that's just something I always struggle with. And I think going into this race, I kind of went into it also kind of just not confident in my swim. Um, and I just hadn't been in the open water a lot. I just hadn't been in my wetsuit. And I think the wetsuit always kind of freaks me out. And then during my previous race in Tulsa, I ended up having a bout of uh, swim-induced pulmonary edema. So I ended up dropping out in the run because I had fluid built up in my lungs. So I just, all of it kind of was a bit iffy. So the start of my swim, I started off all right, but pretty quickly kind of had a little moment of like, oh, this is not, I can't, I'm not in a good spot. So I kind of backed off. And then, so the swim wasn't great, but you know, that's, that's kind of not really all that abnormal. So I'm just like, okay, just get on the bike and get going. And I just felt like the first few hours on the bike, I just couldn't really get myself moving. And there was not really a good reason for it. Um, but it just, I just struggled getting myself going until the, like the last couple of the hours, maybe the second half, a little bit after the second half of the ride, I was like, okay, things are kind of coming together. My body's kind of starting to cooperate. Um, so, I mean, I didn't, didn't feel like the bike was, I like the bike course a lot. Like I like hillier courses. I like it when it's not flat, like something pancake flat. I just feel like it's really hard on me mentally and physically. Um, 
so I prefer the hills. So in that sense, I really like this course. Um, and I think it just took me a while to get started. And I had good hopes for the run and I just kind of kind of fell apart there. But but you know, I mean that that at that point it was just hot and my system was just like, yeah, we're we're over it. So I ended up in a porta potty for a little while and then, you know, um, just couldn't take down any nutrition anymore. But I just survived from going from ice to ice from aid station to aid station. Do you feel like you're that way, so. sorry, sorry. Do you feel like you're um I'm going kind of back to the beginning too. Um with the swim, like you're, you're being nervous about the swim, just not feeling super confident in it. I actually, I had a similar feeling going into this and I kind of, you know, I, I was lucky that through COVID I generally had pool access and was swimming, but I think like, you know, Haley might not feel this being someone who's very comfortable in the water, but you know, for like mid to like backpack swimmers, I wonder like how much not, you know, like the consistency of racing a lot really helps my swim confidence. And so that was something unexpected. I didn't really expect on the start line in Coeur d'Alene. I 100% agree because I've had actually, I've also had pretty good pool access generally throughout. It's just, I haven't really been in the open water. I haven't been around other people. And I think that just, it's just such a different feel for me. Uh, and translating my pool swim into the open water to me, and especially with the wetsuit is something that I really struggle with. Um, and I think definitely not having had that kind of like regular practice, um, race practice definitely is something that it has been rough on me. Uh, even if it's just mental, it might just be mostly mental, but it's definitely been something that's harder. <laughs> I'm curious if, uh, I guess, either of you, um, do you ever like, do you swim in your wetsuit in the pool? I try to do that like once before a race. And it's like my least favorite thing in the world because putting on a wetsuit just feels like extra, it feels like an extra workout. Right. And then also swimming in a wetsuit in a pool feels terrible, but that's, I did do that before St. George just to like get used to that feeling. And I was wearing a new wetsuit and I was like, I better make sure it fits. But I'm curious, like Lenny, do you, do you ever do that? I don't. And to be honest, like I already struggle with the wetsuit when it's 70 degrees, right? And a pool is never that cold. So like again, putting my wetsuit on and getting an 80 degree pool, that is a little rough. I did. I actually did the pool here. It's a, it's an outdoor pool and they bubble about, bubble it up in the winter. Um, but because of COVID, they didn't want to put the bubble on or they at least postponed it as long as possible to the point where the pool actually dropped into the 60s and they had to close the pool. But that I actually went out a couple of times in my wetsuit and did that. <laughs> I was like, that's cold enough that I'm not willing to do it without a wetsuit, but I will give it a try. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't idea of a 60 degree pool. But anyway, sorry, Alyssa, <laughs> go ahead. I've never done that either in the pool. But I I mean, I had the chance to open water swim here a couple of times before the race. So I did a couple of wetsuit swims and I'm, I'm with Letty too, like 70 degrees in a wetsuit just feels like way too hot to me. And so I don't love it, but it's, I think it's just more the mental aspect that was like, you know, when I'm racing a lot, I know pretty much where I stand with the pack and like who I should be looking for and things like that. But it had just been so long. Like, you know, I hit certain workouts, but I missed a lot of other workouts. And so I'm like, will I be in the same pack I normally am? Like, I don't know. And it's just, yeah, like, I think it was just more nerve wracking than normal. Cause I was like, maybe everyone else is going to like, just leave me behind it. You know, like, it's just, yeah, you just get out of that rhythm. I think with racing. Yeah. And it's just such a, it's such an intensity too, at the start of that swim. It's just something that's hard to practice. And like, and you kind of it like was rough that. too. Like Kelly O'Mara and I were saying too, we were like, it was like an Olympic start. Like the way people, I mean, our pack at least was like aggressive for the whole first loop. I was like, you guys, we need to settle down a bit. Like we're going to be out here for an hour. That's but, so funny. I was yeah. right next to like Lindsay Corbin. It was like the, one of the gentlest starts I've ever had. Oh my gosh. Not <laughs> where we You should line up next to. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so funny. I, so I, I don't like swimming in warm water either, but I will do like a 500 or something like that in a wetsuit and then take it off. And it feels so good to take it off. That That's one oh, thing way to make the pool feel cooler. But anyway, getting off of the wetsuit um, talk, <laughs> I just think it is fascinating <laughs> to talk about these things and like even professionals have some of these issues that obviously all of us have, but, uh, Lenny, you called your run rough, but it was still a three twenty one run off the bike in 100 degree Fahrenheit temperatures. It was so hot. And you did give me it a was. high five on that first loop. So you were looking, <laughs> you were looking pretty good, but, um, we do love sharing just like wetsuit strategies. We love sharing like heat management strategies. So how did you approach running in that heat? Do you have any tips for our listeners? So uh, first of all, I always run with a bottle and that's just that I feel like that gives me control. So I, you know, I, I, you know, put, I, I 
run with power bars and stuff, but like, and I just put it in a bottle and I just run with it. And I put, usually put an extra bottle in special needs. Um, I freeze it uh, so that it's hopefully still somewhat cold. Who knows? Um, was it? Was it? Just, just so I, I didn't actually grab it because my stomach was so upset that I couldn't take anything oh. down. So I just didn't even bother. But normally, normally it works pretty well. Um, and I just, but, and normally you don't have to stop for special needs, right? So I could just normally just run through, grab my bottle and just fill my hand, hand bottle, the bottle and just kind of keep going. Uh, so that's what I normally do. Um, and now I just kind of just, I ran and walked, I walked every aid station and that was something that was kind of planned. And I've done that before. Um, I walked a little bit more than I would normally do, but, um, I just, so that just gives me a chance because I have the drink in my hand. All I need to do is grab water. And I can, you know, drink a little bit of it, if, of it if I feel like it, or at least throw it over myself and just grab ice. I mean, I throw ice down my bra, I throw ice down my shorts, like it's like ice as much as possible. Um, and I'll run, like I'll hold ice in my hand, I'll, you know, and when I just, I just couldn't, my stomach was so off that I just couldn't get any nutrition in, but like I could, water worked all right. And so I, and I chew on ice while I was running. Um, just anything to keep cool. Yeah. And when your stomach kind of turns on you like that, how did you, I mean, was it the walking? Like, what is your mindset? Because 321 is still very, very solid. Like you didn't totally implode. And then, but you know, you're undercaloried. Like, what do you do? I didn't, there was nothing I could do. I have salt with me always. Uh, so I did take some salt in the hope that I would, usually that can settle my stomach. It just, this time it didn't. Um, I t started taking Coke at some point um, in the hopes that that would settle it. And nothing really settled it, but it, I think I, just had enough in my system to be able to pull it through. Like, I, you know, walking to aid stations, but I think gave me enough recovery to just kind of run decently okay in between aid stations. Um, and definitely wasn't ideal, but I think I had enough in my system. Like I'm generally pretty on top of my nutrition throughout the bike. I, you know, I probably went through at least nine bottles on the bike. Uh, I don't drink water, so it's all sports drink um, and, you know, gels regularly. So I think I probably had enough in my system to pull me through. It wasn't ideal, but enough to kind of hang on. What about mentally? Like when, I mean, you, you were out there, you saw what was happening. I mean, it was, it was a fascinating race. Anytime there is a really hot race like that, it's like all bets are off, right? People were blowing yeah. up left and right. And I'll say even like those last two miles, I'm like, okay, please don't blow up. Please don't blow up. You know, like you just never know until you cross the finish line. So mentally, how are you keeping yourself going when you do see women who are stopping in front of you? Oh, for sure. And I, yeah, I feel like generally I do okay in the heat. Um, that's kind of like one of those things where I, I don't, my body generally responds okay to the heat. In this case, it didn't do as well as I had hoped, but uh, generally my body adapts to the heat pretty quickly. So I, going into this, I actually was kind of happy that it was going to be hot because I always hope kind of like that my body will pull it together. And, you know, if other people fall apart, that's kind of into my benefit, especially since I'm the run is kind of my strength. Um, and I knew like going into this run, like even the first few miles felt great. Right. And then that heat hits and you're like, Oh, this isn't going to be a long one. But I knew that no matter what, like I, I never felt bad enough at any point that I would have pulled out. I, I really also dislike pulling out of a race. Um, not finishing Tulsa was super hard on me mentally. And I was just like, I just need to get through this race. I just need to get through no matter what it takes. Um, so there was nothing in me that was willing to quit at any point unless I'd have to be carried off basically. I'm just going to finish it out. I'm not sure I would have walked it in, but I never felt bad enough that it felt like that was going to be an option. We might have some listeners who are like bottle carrying converts now. Cause Haley talked about carrying a bottle you're talking about, and you both had great runs. And so I don't know, I might start running with like a five pound weight in my arm to get my arm ready for that. Cause that's usually my excuse of like, it feels so heavy when it's like late in the Ironman, you know, but, um, if it works, it works. Right. So that's, yeah, it's something to yeah. consider. I it's feel weird. Control. I feel weird without it. Like, like I threw mine away within the last mile and I was like, I feel naked. Even though I was like wearing nothing the whole time. But anyway. <laughs> so we do want to talk to you about what happened in Tulsa a little bit more. So um, as you said, you pulled out of that race because, you know, you were feeling off. And I think it was kind of later you found out that it was related to SIPE, which yeah. is swimming induced pulmonary embolism. So we actually heard from a listener after Coeur d'Alene who this happened to them during the race last weekend, an age grouper. Um, and we know Rach McBride has also dealt with this. So we're hoping yeah. to, you know, maybe put together an, an upcoming episode with an expert on the topic in the upcoming weeks. But in the meantime, can you just talk more about your experience with that and things that you've learned? 
So, I mean, first of all, I think I had a very mild case of it. Um, I had a panic moment on the swim, but that's also not all that abnormal. So I don't think that was necessarily related. Um, on the bike, I actually felt okay. Um, I wasn't having a stellar bike ride, but I wasn't having a bad, bad bike ride either. So I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, but towards the end of the bike, I could hear myself wheezing, which is not something I've ever had before. And I was like, oh, that's weird. But, you know, I felt fine. So I didn't think about it anymore until I started to run. And as soon as I started running, it took me maybe not even half a mile. And I was like, oh, there's something really weird. I can't breathe. I just really felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, and I would walk. And then if I'd walk for a little bit, like it would settle. And I was like, okay, I'll run again. And I'd run for like 90 seconds. And then I felt like I couldn't breathe again. So I kind of walked. So I, and at first I was like, maybe it's my mind. Like, I'm, am I like, <laughs> is it mental? Like, so I kind of tried pushing through a couple times because my legs felt fine. So it was like, my leg turnover was there. Um, but, and then I kind of, a little cough added in, but it was like a deeper cough. And I was like, this is, something's off. So I just ended up like pulling out. I'm like, I'm not going to walk it in, in this case. And I just pulled out, um, and I saw a doctor the next day and, um, we got an x-ray and there was some fluid built up on my, in my lungs. So at that point I felt okay. I just had a little bit of a cough left. Um, um, and with, and everything it cleared out within like two or three days. So it wasn't like it stuck around. Um, it was just something that I didn't want to repeat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's certain, some triggers for it. Um, cold water, wetsuit swims. Um, it tends, it's something that happens in trained people. So, you know, swimmers, uh, Marines, divers, uh, triathletes, that kind of thing. It's the high intensity uh, in open water with a wetsuit, often in cold water. And even the water in Tulsa wasn't all that cold, but you know, it's just, those are just the triggers and who knows, um, what set it off. And I'd never had it before. So it was definitely a first. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some treatment options. One of them is sildenafil, um, which is what the doctor prescribed for me for, for the race. Um, so that I took that in Coeur d'Alene and I think that might've been part of the reason why I didn't feel good initially on the bike because it drops your blood pressure a little. Um, and my heart rate for the first half of the bike ride was probably like 120, which is just really low. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't pull it. And I, and I started, and I didn't think of this afterwards, but I didn't start feeling better until I started caffeinating. Um, so that might've kind of offset it and kind of pushed me over that edge. And after that, it felt all right. Um, so I don't know who knows <laughs> anything can happen during Ironman, right? So you never know, but, um, but yeah, I'm hoping that it won't happen again. I, there's no guarantees there. Um, I, but I'm I don't know. We'll, so we'll find out. I'm just glad that it was very mild. Like I didn't, you know, it didn't pop up until late because it was so mild. It was just enough that I knew it was abnormal once I started running. Would you take the medication again? Or do you think you'll try to race without it? I haven't quite decided that yet. My next race is probably like Placid. I'm kind of hoping it's not what's illegal and I probably won't take it. The lake's pretty warm right now. So I'm... <laughs> We can go to sleep every night hoping for a non-wetsuit because I'm I'm like pretty confident it's not going to be. So yeah, it was it was actually 73 last week and it dropped a little bit with the rain, but um I think I think we'll be over the the mark for us at least. Age groupers listening, you guys will probably be in wetsuits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. Yeah, so I'm kind of hoping it's not, and then I probably won't take it. And then if I do have to take it, maybe I'll try to kind of like take a lower dose, or I, or maybe start caffeinating earlier in the race. I'm not sure. Play around with that. Were you, I mean, when you come off a DNF like you did in Tulsa and then you're on a start line in Coeur d'Alene, like just barely a month later, like what into, went into that thought process? Was it just get on another start line or are you just someone who likes to race a lot? I like to race a lot. Like if I, if I don't get injured, which is often the, actually the, the, the one that thing that holds me back, but I like to, if I can, I'd race about once a month throughout the summer. Um, maybe take a break in the middle and then do a few more at the end of the summer. But yeah, I like to race. Like that's kind of what I do it for. I just really enjoy the race. I mean, not always during, <laughs> but once I'm done, I'm ready to race again. You know, <laughs> you come around really quick, even after a, even after a tough race, it's like, oh, you come around really quick, but Lenny, we want to talk about your start in the sport because you only started, I think triathlon in 2015. So not that long ago, you had a lot of success as an age grouper and, Alyssa and I were listening to a, another interview that you did, and I think you you suggested that your coach, your original coach when you were an age grouper, um, they were like, you should race as a pro, but uh, you probably need a different coach. So 
we we talk to a lot of a lot of athletes who are you know considering making that leap from age grouper to pro or just have and it can be hard and uh you know there's a lot of changes that come involved with the sport but changing your coach is is a really big change so how can you talk about that like how, did you go out and find a new coach and how did that make you feel because you'd had a lot of success with that first coach i did i, I you know i just kind of on accident rolled into the sport, right? And like most people I had gotten injured and stuff like that. Like, and I kind of rolled into the sport. Um, I did like some Olympic distances and actually did decently well at the local level. Um, and then realized that I had no idea what I was doing and like no idea what I was doing in terms of nutrition. So that's when I found the coach. Um, and she was absolutely amazing. And she's still one of my closest friends. And, uh, and she definitely helped me during, during those first couple of years. Um, but I also think it was it was great of her to be honest and be like, hey, I've never done this pro jump with anybody. Um, and I think, you know, I think you should find someone that is experienced to kind of push you to that next level. Um, and I'm glad she did. She actually hooked me up with my current coach uh, at 52 Systems because as an age grouper in the past, she had been coached by them. So she knew them uh, and their kind of she a lot of her coaching style was probably based off of that because she had you know, been coached by them. Um, so that was kind of nice. So in, in, in a lot of ways, I think some of the strategies were kind of similar. Um, and another reason she recommended them is that they coached more pros. So it was a way for me to kind of get connected with um, kind of a group of pros. Um, and that ended up working out really well because kind of like at the end of that season before I'd taken my pro card, um, but while I was switching, uh, they had a little pro camp happening in, uh, in Houston. And that was like three weeks after I had contacted them, but they were like, why don't you just fly out and join us for a few days, see what it's like. Um, and I think that was super helpful for me to kind of see where I was and that, you know, that it was going to be a challenge, but also that, you know, I wasn't completely like out of my league either. So it was kind of like a good balance of that. And, and the pros that I met there were super supportive. So that was just kind of an extra little, little boost to help me over that hump and make the decision to actually take my pro card. And Lenny, you have mentioned injuries a couple times now and kind of mentioned it in a way that makes, you know, that you, you do get injured um, a little bit. And, um, you know, you've, you're also someone who talks about the run being your strength and liking to run and things like that. So, you know, are the injuries, I guess, first of all, running related? And do you do anything now as you, you are gaining experience season by season to like mitigate those more and more? It's a hard one. I, running is something that I love. It is something that my body struggles with. Um, it is, I love running. My body does it really easily. Um, you know, I don't have to put in a ton of training. I don't really do it that much speed work. Um, and that's mostly just because I am fairly injury prone when it comes to the run. Um, my, before I took my pro card, I had multiple stress fractures. Um, and thankfully we've kind of gotten over that. I'm not sure specifically what helped me over that, but it might've just been training. It might've just been something, something else, but I haven't had any since knock on wood. Um, it's mostly tendonitis is kind of where I usually end up landing, but it tends to be a very different spot every time. Um, I definitely try to at least, you know, especially through off season, spend quite a bit of time in the gym. Um, and even during the season, I try to maintain strength training in the hopes that I can kind of stave it off. Um, but, you know, it's I've had anterior tib tendonitis. I've had glute tendonitis. I've had Achilles tendonitis. Uh, right now I'm having a little bit of hamstring tendonitis. So it's something different every year. Uh, 2019, I tore my labrum. I, you know, I don't, I don't really have a good answer. Uh, I try to just, I, you know, I'm very diligent about like every day at the end of the day, I try to sit down and at least roll out my legs and stretch for a little bit. Um, just to make sure that kind of try to kind of keep it somewhat in check. And I try to hit the gym at least twice a week, um, even during the season, um, which is a little bit harder just with time, but I try for sure, but I haven't found the magic pill. So training wise, are you then doing a lot of intensity on the bike? More so. Yeah. I spend a lot of time on the bike. Yeah. But I'm very aerobic. Uh, we try intensity. I just don't really like intensity. <laughs> My body doesn't like intensity. I mean, even switching from the half to the full, like the half Ironman distance, like even that intensity, I struggle with that so much. We try, we really try, but just moving it up that little bit in intensity, I just struggle with it. Whatever I do for a half, I can probably maintain that for a full. Like I just kind of, there's not, once I get going, I'm good. And I just kind of keep it going. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just very aerobic in that sense. Um, and, and we try, but. 
do you find you recover pretty well from a full Ironman distance? I mean, to do Tulsa, I know you didn't do the full run in Tulsa, but you still did a lot in Tulsa, Coeur d'Alene and Placid. I mean, that's a lot of, that's like three full Ironmans in just over two months. Uh, it, it is a lot. I do feel like I recover pretty well. Um, I mean, you know, last week, of course, I obviously felt pretty rough, um, but over this weekend, I've actually felt pretty good. So I'll be you know, back to normal load this week. Um, and then we'll kind of taper into placid. So it's, it, it just, I mean, it makes for kind of weird training months, right? So it's, it's very much like a recovery, kind of a little bit of like a boost and then a taper. Um, but I prefer the shorter tapers anyway. I, I just don't, I feel like I, I don't feel good after a long taper. Um, so I prefer a kind of like a taper where we kind of keep somewhat of a load going into the race is something that I definitely prefer. So that works pretty well for me. Um, and I like, like having, having the goal of the race there. It just, I just love it. And so when we talk about intensity on the bike, I um, have to bring up that you race on the I race like a girl Zwift racing team, which is also the group that I race with as well. I think I was doing the Tuesday league. I don't know if you did Tuesdays. I think you all, you definitely did the Thursday team time trials, I think. Um, are there specific things? Well, first, did you start using Zwift to like help find some intensity and give you that like mojo to get there? And then second, are there specific things you think Zwift racing has helped you improve with the in real life racing? So I, I absolutely, Zwift was a godsend, right? So I, I found Zwift around the start of COVID. Um, I was one of those people, I rode my old fluid trainer, um, you know, forever. And I did not want the smart trainer. And, I, you know, I tried it at one point, didn't like it, got rid of it. And so it just kind of went back. Um, and then, but then after a move to Houston where, you know, summers are insanely hot and it was really hard to get out of the city and with work and stuff, it was hard to balance. And I knew I was going to be inside a lot. I decided, okay, I'm going to commit again and I will get a smart trainer. So I got a smart trainer and I actually got on Zwift. And that was around the start of COVID. Um, and um, me and another pro, Amanda Wendorf, we kind of found like this Zwift racing and kind of that's where it all started. And it was just a great way to kind of keep stay motivated throughout those months when there was no other racing anywhere, right? Like I kept on building up to races and doing these long bike rides and then races got canceled and that was mentally just really rough. Um, and having kind of a team to work with and people to interact with, you know, we all have headphones on, chat with each other during those races was just absolutely awesome. Um, it definitely helped me with my top end power. I also got me more comfortable on my road bike. I, you know, since I got in the sport late and I just, the first bike I bought was a time trial bike. I had an old road bike that I started off on, but the first bike I actually bought was a time trial bike. So I have always done everything on a time trial bike. And, you know, it was kind of fun to actually transition into the road bike a little bit because it's just it's, it's trying to find that sprint power, especially in those pro leagues. So you mentioned the Tuesday league and I did the first couple of those. Um, and, you know, you're riding against pro cyclists and like you might be able to hang with the group for most of the race and then the sprint comes and they're all gone. <laughs> like, oh, um, so it was just a lot of fun to challenge yourself this way. And it was absolutely a great way for me to find some of that intensity. Um, for me, it was a bit of a struggle then again to get back onto my time trial bike because I had spent so much time not in the aero position at all, right? Um, and so getting back into that position, I think that's something that I've been trying to kind of figure out. Um, and now that I actually, you know, work during the day, it's, I haven't been able to fit in those, those swift races anymore. So I haven't really been doing the racing, but I loved it. I mean, it's so much fun. I would recommend it to anybody just to get, you know, even if it's just once or twice a week, just to get that higher intensity in. Um, it's just a great push. Lenny, you mentioned living in Houston, but when we were in Coeur d'Alene, I was like, where are you based? And I was very shocked when you said Arkansas. And it sounded like you actually really enjoy living in Arkansas. And Arkansas, you know, it isn't, I don't think in triathlon circles known as like a hotbed, but, you know, Alyssa and I both love, we train in places that are a little bit more off the beaten path. So, but Arkansas is like next level. Um, so can you tell us about, you know, living and training in Arkansas? Yeah, we, we loved it. So we had moved to Houston for my wife's job. Um, and we moved there in January, right before COVID. And then COVID hit and we were both like, oh no, <laughs> we're in the middle of this massive city. And like, we keep, neither of us are going to work. Like we're both working from home. And so we just, at some point we're like, we need to get out for a bit. So we actually rented a place up here in Arkansas for a few weeks. 
Um, my wife is originally from Arkansas. I have to say that from about an hour from where we're at. And she went to the university here. So we're in Fayetteville, which is where the University of Arkansas is. Um, and I have always worked, I, well, not always, but I'm a scientist by background, but I love teaching. So kind of, I've been in that, in kind of like the teaching space. So I really wanted to at least make sure that wherever we would end up, it would be near a university so I could find work. Um, but we ended up just coming up here for a few weeks just to get out of the city. And once we were here, we were both like, yeah, we don't really want to go back. <laughs> so we did go back, but we ended up buying a place here. And we were like, we'll just go back and forth, you know, spend a few weeks there, spend a few weeks here. And then if things go back to normal, we'll kind of figure it out. And then once we were kind of settled here, we're like, yeah, we're not going back. So we sold our Houston place and just kind of stuck around here. Um, it's lovely. It's really pretty. Uh, you know, I think there's a ton of cycling, but it's more on the, there's cyclists, but there's a ton of uh, mountain biking and stuff like that around here. Um, there's bike trails everywhere. So for running, it's awesome. Um, and the roads are good. The people are friendly. I'm mostly on the roads. I mean, you know, it's a little bit more conservative once you get outside of Fayetteville than I would like. But um, I mean, it is Arkansas. But um, Fayetteville is kind of a little liberal hub with the university right here. And, and you know, it's I mean, I really love it. Uh, you know, we have a house with a nice yard, like the dogs love it. So I, it's just it's just kind of fell into place and it just worked. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, and for a little while I worked, I worked for, did research for a lab in, in back in Houston, but that was all remote. Um, and then kind of when, when I kind of, I, I didn't, it was good. I just didn't love it. Um, and so I ended up finding a job here at the university. And, um, so actually kind of everything kind of fell into place and for training, it works out well. Um, and yeah, I mean, the cycling here is good. Like it's, it's all hilly. There's nothing flat. Um, but yeah, I can go any direction, basically. The the college town liberal hubs are like my yeah go tos when I'm like exploring places to like visit or yeah like train or whatever, take a little trip. That's like it's definitely a, kind of a nice bright spot in in some areas. I have to say, I know that well. Um, I'm wait, I want to do you do yeah. like the, wait what is it woo pig suey like do you do that here <laughs> is that right I, I I spent some time in the south I'm like I've heard some some shit the Arkansas I, I I leave that up to my wife that's her thing she knows all the sports and stuff and I'm just like I'll just sit and watch it's all good. <laughs> And so, Lenny, um, I believe that you spent a portion of your childhood in the Netherlands and you you race for the Netherlands. Um, but I think like, you know, most of your racing in terms of races has been done on North American soil. So do you have any plans to go race in Europe? Like, do you want to? Is that like, you know, does that appeal to you at all or is that kind of just childhood? Well, so, I, I, yeah, I was born and raised in the Netherlands and my, my family's all still there. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I, I raced. Lanzarote in 2019, um, which, you know, theoretically is European, but it's also not really in Europe, but it was nice because my parents, my, my mom and her partner and my brother and his girlfriend came out and they came to watch, um, because here they just rarely see me race. Um, and I'm going to do Finland, um, in August. Um, we're going to go visit my family. Um, my brother and his girlfriend are expecting while well, they they were due two days ago, so we're just waiting. But, um, but yeah, and I haven't seen my family in over two years, so um, it'll be nice. So we're gonna go and visit my family, and then go and race Finland. Um, just, for fun. but that'll just be for fun. At that point, I'm just like, you know, just want to kind of check it out and have fun with it. Um, that'll be really great. All the post-pandemic fun. Like, I mean, I guess it's it's not technically post-pandemic. I shouldn't use that term, but just post-lockdown. You know, the 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 safe fun that we can have now that we know things a little bit more. But um, so that's, that's exciting to have that on the horizon. And um, you mentioned your backyard and a couple dogs, I think, and we do love dogs here on the Iron Women podcast. So can you tell us about your dogs? <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, Dylan. He is about, I think he just turned nine, I want to say. Um, and he's a pit mix um very fast little fellow and he loves to go for little runs um he's more of a sprinter but you know for, I, i'll take him for my easy runs when it's not like 95 degrees out but um but yeah he you know he's like a ball chaser and he loves everything um and then about it during covid obviously we got another dog because you know we had to have a covid puppy um and he turned out a little bigger than we had expected but he's we think he's like a german shepherd mix and he's like 80 pounds of you know love it's <laughs> a lot to love <laughs> uh yes but you know with the yard it's lovely like they go in and out as they please and um 
I tried to take the, the pup for a run and that didn't go very well. He lasted for about half a mile and then he tried, but he was like, I can't run anymore. So I'm just going to walk and you're just going to have to adjust. Like, okay. they let you know oh, who's the boss it. yeah exactly, exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> for sure so lenny yeah. you we know you'll be at lake placid uh it sounds like ironman finland there's like no shortage of ironman racing this fall still because things have been pushed to the fall so i guess where can our listeners kind of how can they follow you and can we expect like do you love racing enough you think you'll kind of keep racing through the fall with full distance i hope so i, I I was kind of hoping that they'd put either Wisconsin or Chattanooga on the pro list, but so far it's not. Um, so I don't, I don't really know. I'll probably do something in the fall. I think after Finland, I'll probably take a couple weeks of a little break uh, just to give my body a little break. And I'm hoping to do a couple more in the fall for sure. I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I might go back to Cozumel. Um, it's not really my race because it's very flat, but then again, it's somewhat of a, you swim kind of with the, with the flow. So that's always nice um, <laughs> for us, not swimmers. Um, and it's hot, which, you know, if I can pull it together, I think we'll be good. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to keep racing. Um, I mean, I have a website. I don't really, it's not as updated as it needs to be. Um, so I will try to get back on top of that. Uh, but, you know, I've, you can follow me on Instagram. I usually at least make, make clear where I'm racing um, and on Facebook too. But um, Instagram is probably my most consistent form we'll of sure. communication. We will be sure to link to that in our show notes and in all of our posts so that everyone can follow you. But Lenny, it's been great chatting with you. You you seem, I'm like, when you're saying, oh, I'm going to have a normal training load this week, I'm like, oh my goodness, good for you. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm still like trying to rehydrate over here, but congratulations <laughs> again on your finish. It was great to like meet you in person and then also get to chat with you at post post race. And we wish you the best of luck on your uh, build and taper into Lake Placid. Well, thank you so much. This was great. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Alyssa, it's so fun that both you and Lenny will be in Lake Placid, you know, in just a, a few weeks. <laughs> and I can't wait to cheer for you. I you hope you're going to hold your so well. While you're saying that, it's not fair. Just I'm, like <laughs> I'm in awe. I am in awe of you all who can handle oh. that frequent racing. Like again, I still am like I um I did a 2K swim last week and then had to take a nap. So you know that's where I am in life right now. <laughs> Oh, I just keep thinking back to when I used to do Ironman's like back-to-back weekends. And I'm like, okay, well, how did I get through that? I had just had like selective amnesia. So that's what I'm going for here. I'm going to get a good night of rest. Just push it out of my brain that I did one and just focus on the weeks ahead. So I'm excited for it too. Thanks Lenny for chatting with us. And and yeah, Lenny, I'll see you in, in a few weeks. Alyssa, I hope you keep recovering. I hope you get all that sleep and all the good food and you are good you do get a fitness boost like i have done oh, that sure. i mean i've done yeah. that in the past and like had the second race go shockingly well so well, i actually think it could be great and i've watched so i did watch a lot of the track olympic trials in the weeks leading up to cordelaine which got me like super fired up you know to race and then we saw a lot of great performances in that but we saw some like heartbreak too right like kate grace leah i forget keep forgetting her last name who did the steeplechase fallon. And was in fallon yeah and like fell and so and they both went you know hopped on a plane a few days later have been racing diamond league races i think in um like stockholm or somewhere in europe and they both had like kate grace has had two prs in her 800 since then leah ran like a 
personal best, like a 916, I want to say, for her steeplechase. And it's like redemption of sorts does happen for them. It wasn't on the stage they necessarily wanted. But it was a good reminder that like, yeah, the the one race can be followed by some good stuff. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking my very best tuner back shirk ever was like a couple weeks after the Olympic trials. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> that happens to people. But um, yeah, so I mean, same thing must work with Iron Man. So Alyssa, keep recovering. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.